and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Jake Gevarelli, for the Cryptocurrency Podcast, and I'm here with Blockchain John, who's finally back from vacation. John, how you doing? Yo, yo, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, vacation was amazing. Mexico was great. Weather was great. Fantastic. Uh, and now, I'm back on the podcast on April 20th. Or yeah. 20, 420. 420. 420. I kind of uh, felt Stoner, like, uh, day. Yeah, exactly. I felt like we should have Elon Musk puffing a blunt for us on the on the uh, thumbnail, but we'll see. <laughs> with, with a little doge next to him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, C3 Media's, uh, what, this is actually, uh, I think, episode 397. We're getting close yeah. to uh, some new changes that will be coming up in the near, near future uh, with episode 400 we'll have to just see what the exciting changes are coming i'm not going to give it all away to you right now um john knows about this because we've been planning this forever in any case um yeah let me just uh move into the main show here we can do our top our top 10 daily stats as read by me jake so let me hit refresh real quick because <laughs> they change so much thank goodness the market never closes currently bitcoin sitting in or did you want to do this john i want to I want to do this. It's up to you, man. Yeah, go ahead. You already right, had I'll it. Do it. Go ahead. I don't, I'm, I'm cutting myself off here, but nevertheless. Bitcoin's in the top position at 41,632 and 67 cents. A 1% weak gain. It's pretty weak. No pun intended. Um, market cap currently under 800 billion at 791.7. Ethereum is in two, second position, currently at a little over $3,000, 309018. It has fallen over the last week by a percent, and it's Market cap is under 400 billion at 372.3. Tether, stablecoin, is down a little bit, but it's a stablecoin, so it'll come back. And it's, of course, a dollar because it's stable. And its market cap is still under 100 billion at 83.0 billion dollars. Binance, or BNB, is currently at 421.34, a slight decline over the last week, 0.5%, and a 70.9 billion dollar market cap. In fifth position is another stable coin, USD coin, the one created by Circle and used by, um, what's it called, Coinbase. <clears throat> Currently slightly under a dollar, 0.2% drop. It's just a lot of traffic going on, a lot of usage. Currently slightly under $50 billion at 49.8. XRP, Ripple, is in sixth position at 75.3 cents or 0.753 US dollars. A 3.8% one-week gain up to 36.2 billion market cap. Solana is in seventh position currently. The sole 16645, a 1.5% week-long gain, and a $35.4 billion market cap. Just sitting there right underneath the value of Ripple. Not by much. Not even by a billion. <clears throat> also, Terra in eighth position, 9439 current value at 7.4% gain, the highest in the top 10, and a $33.3 billion market cap. You can see that huge gain there just this bump and this jump Ooh, there it goes cardano's ninth position currently at 94 cents and 94.6 cents a 3.1 percent drop over the last week and a 30.3 billion dollar market cap and then right rounding out the top 10 is polka dot at 1929 that's 19 dollars and 29 cents a six percent gain almost that of terra and 21.2 billion dollar huge gap between that and cardano and as i always say the next ones after that, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 is Avalanche, Dogecoin, Terra, Stablecoin, Binance, also Stablecoin, and Shiba Inu at the top 15. Shiba had gained a whole lot because it was added to the, what was it called, Robinhood Exchange recently? Mm -hmm. And then it fell right back down again. I guess it was a typical pump and dump. It sucks. Eh. Did you hear about the, uh, the, the Step-In app? The Step-In? No. Oh, yeah, Step-In, the one where you had to walk. To uh, yeah. get the coin, Noah. What about it? It's number it's number sixty right now. So, I should have got into it when before the pump, man, because uh, <laughs> I knew it before pump. before it became a thing. Um, and I think I actually I think I did mention it on the podcast yes. here a few uh, before I went on vacation. Yes, you did. Uh, yeah. Yep. And it now it's it's sixty percent up. Man. People love it. 
Yep, 60% up and going, oh, oh that, that's not going to work. <laughs> I tried clicking on it and it didn't go anywhere. All right, well, uh, enough of that. We'll just say that the current market cap is up in the last 24 hours by nearly 1%, still just cracking just slightly over $2 trillion for the entire market. And let's go over and check out those candies. I haven't collected mine for the day yet, but I uh, hit my 30 plus right there. Got 30 more coins for 13,280 total coins that I have. Collecting your coin candies, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, your candies from CoinGecko every single day will give you rewards and subscriptions and possibly an NFT or two, as John and I have both picked up over the years. Years? Has it been years? It has been years. Anywho, i uh, just like to mention that uh, all of the information that you can see, I mean, you can always check out our, our um, if you're probably watching us on YouTube, then you can obviously see what we're doing. But if you're listening to us on Anchor, we appreciate it. And if you would like to show your appreciation, you can give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Can't give us a thumbs down anymore because that's not a thing, apparently. Um, but you can check us out on Discord. There's always stuff going, something going on over there. You can collect the C3 Media token just by coming in every single day and working. Hitting this, was it? Is it exclamation point work in order to get your, your uh, C3 Media tokens on Discord? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I collected 1400 a day. I was like, what? What did I do right? <laughs> in any case... Uh, you can also check us out on Discord. That's one way. You can like, check us out on our Patreon, or you can donate directly to us in cryptocurrency format through Binance, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Raven, and Bat tokens. All that information is in our Cointree link in the description below. Want to get to the news now? All right. We have quite a bit of news, but we're gonna we're gonna do the the new format of news, or we're gonna stick to the old format of news. Old format. Old format. All right. Lots of news. Tons of news. The first news that I saw was was one from Felix Mullen about U.S. sanctions. I don't know. We want to do that one or not? Uh, yeah, I hit that one up. All right. So this is the first one. This is provided by CryptoPotato.com. Felix Mullen uh, wrote U.S. U.S. sanctions its first cryptocurrency mining company, and it is from Russia. With love. The U.S. government has just sanctioned the first cryptocurrency mining company, which also happens to be from Russia. This comes a day after the IMF war warned that Russia could potentially evade economic sanctions by mining cryptocurrencies. On April 20th, the U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control, OFAC, sanctioned BitRiver, a cryptocurrency mining company based in Moscow, prohibiting any business relations with U.S. citizens. According to the statement, Russian Russian commercial bank uh, was a trans trans cap, trans capital bank and ten subsidiaries of BitRiver and its Swiss banks uh, Swiss based holding companies were also included in the sanctions for allegedly being owned un, owned or controlled by the Russian Federation. The Treasury Department wants to prevent Russia and its allies from circumventing economic sanctions through Bitcoin mining. In a press release, the OFAC says Russia has significant co uh, comparative advantages in terms of cryptocurrency mining. Quote, Russia has a com comparative advantage in crypto mining due to energy resources and a cold climate. However, uh, mining companies rely on imported computer equipment and fiat payments, which make them vulnerable. Uh-oh, I've got a pop-up here. I didn't know they get pop-ups. Uh, which makes them vulnerable to sanctions. End quote. In other words, despite Russia's appeal, most crypto mining companies rely on important te technological equipment to set up mining farms, so these types of companies could become the next U.S. target. Brian E. Nelson, U.S. Undersecretary uh, under for Terrorism and Financial Intelligence, said that the Treasury can and will go after any person or company that helps evade sanctions imposed by the U.S. towards Russia, as they would be supporting what he called Putin's brutal war. Ouch. As Crypto Potato reported yesterday, cryptocurrency mining could be used by the Russian government to evade some economic sanctions, taking advantage of the country's cold weather and the vast amount of energy it harbors. According to Bloomberg's report, more than 17 million Russians own cryptocurrency, with almost 16.5 trillion rubles, approximately $214 billion, in assets. This figure represents about 12% of the total capitalization of cryptocurrencies, which means that the large part of Russian citizens know about cryptocurrencies and the different consensus protocols. 
This is why the U.S. is directly attacking Russian mining companies. According to the country's government, they are, they are harnessing the country's energy and transforming it into currencies which can be exchanged into rubles or U.S. dollars through decentralized platforms. As Russian President Vladimir Putin said, regulation of cryptocurrencies is in the spotlight. So perhaps mining could be seen as an ace up the government's sleeves to evade economic sanctions. I think it's more complicated than that, but it, it definitely gives him a boon. So. Mm -hmm. All right, continue on with other news. <clears throat> Korea's largest cryptocurrency exchange could face stricter regulations, a report says, from JSON. The Korean Fair Trade Commission, or KFC, no, KFTC, sorry. <laughs> it's reportedly uh, ready to impose tougher regulations on Dunanima. Duanima? Duanima. Do, do, do. Sorry, my pet. The parent company of the, <laughs> of the country's largest exchange, Upbit, by classifying as a large enterprise, the authority deems firms without more than 5 trillion won or $4.03 billion in assets subject to stricter regulatory scrutiny, 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 sorry, <laughs> uh, requiring them to disclose information on major intra-company dealings, board decisions, and shareholders. Uh, Dunamu, Dunamu held 10.15 trillion won or $8.19 billion in as, as, as its assets in 2021, slightly above the 10 trillion threshold that exempts businesses from being categorized as companies subject to limitations on mutual investment. Besides being barred from conducting mutual investment, the giant will face other restrictions on debt guarantees, cross-shareholding, and, and other things, etc., I guess. With 1.38 trillion won of assets under management as of 2020, uh, Duan, gosh, they misspelled it here. <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> I'm going to go with, look at that. All right, so the first spelling was D-U-N-A-M-A. The second spelling was D-U-N-A-M-U. The third spelling is D-U-N-A-U-M. Which one is it, guys? <laughs> Freaking check your content. I'm going to go with uh, Dunamu. <laughs> Dunamu. Or Dunamu. Anyways. The D company. Rapid growth last year attracted attention from Korea's uh, Korean watchdogs. The authorities ob obligated companies with over 5 trillion won or $4 billion in assets to disclose information on Majority intercompany dealings, board decisions. Oh, we already read that part. According to sources acquired by the Korean Herald, uh, KFTC is prone to regulate the D company as non-financial business and consider up its customer deposits as part of its assets. Under the this circumstance, uh, the D company will expectedly face austere regulations due to the colossal size of its managed assets. Yeah, the more money you have, the more the, comp the government wants some of it. With Upbit accounting for 78% of the market share in South Korea, Dunamu, uh, Dunamu, <laughs> Dunamu, I don't know, posted a net income of 2.2 trillion won in 2021. What is that in U.S. dollars? They didn't tell us. Positioning the company as one of the most attention-grabbing crypto unicorns in the country. Wow, it's a crypto unicorn. Is that what Coinbase is? South Korea's uh, president-elect, Yoon uh, Sik-yeol, who we've previously spoken about, has openly voiced support for the crypto industry in a public appearance during the campaign. The former prosecutor said that those who generate profits less than $40,000 a year from crypto trading would be exempt from paying taxes. Woohoo! That would be me. It, it was seen as the new president's friendly gesture towards the industry as he previously pleaded to ease regulations on cryptocurrencies. I don't know, this article seems a little bit disjointed, but I think the point yeah. is that uh, Korea's largest company that does crypto is a little bit of uh, regulatory f strain or stress. It's, it's, uh, yeah. The bigger you are, the, farty, the harder you fall. Uh, the mm. harder you haul, I don't know. <laughs> uh, continuing on with 21 shares. 21 shares and ETF securities to launch Bitcoin and Ethereum spot. ETFs in Australia. This is written by Dimitar Zanzara. 
The Switzerland-based investment product issuer 21 Shares joined forces with ETF Securities to launch the first two exchanges, exchange-traded funds in Australia that will provide customers with direct access to cryptocurrencies. Those products will track the performance of BTC and ETH will go live on April 27th. While the American financial regulators keep rejecting cryptocurrency spot ETF applications by major firms, such products started emerging in other countries. The Canadian watchdogs greenlighted the nation's first Bitcoin exchange-traded fund last February, when the Brazilian authorities did the same a few months later. According to a recent press release, Australia will also put its name to that list by approving two such products. The initiative will see the light of day at the end of April after a collaboration between 21 Shares and ETF Securities. Dubbed the ETFS 21 Shares Bitcoin ETF or the ticker EBTC and ETFS 21 Shares Ethereum ETF ticker EETH. The funds will track the price of of respectively BTC and ETH in Australian dollars. Their products will be fully backed by the underlying assets and held in cold storage by Coinbase. Graham Tuckwell, executive chairman of ETF Securities, explained that the funds will enable investors to trade cryptocurrencies without creating their own Bitcoin or Ethereum wallets and storing the holdings. Once we decided, this is a quote, once we decided to build a range of crypto ETFs, for the Australian market, there was only one partner we wanted to work with, and that's 21 Shares. Its pioneering approach to secure investments in cryptocurrency has been em emulated by other fund managers around the world, he added. Speaking on the matter was also Hanley Rashwan, CEO and co-founder of 21 Shares. He said the team behind his company is incredibly excited to be able to offer the first ETFs that grant direct exposure to Bitcoin and Ethereum in Australia. Moreover, he hinted that 21 shares might provide similar funds with other underlying assets in the future. As Crypto Potato reported earlier this week, Australia has already hopped on the crypto ETF bandwagon by launching the Cosmos Asset Management Bitcoin ETF, which will also start trading on April 27th. Unlike EBTC and EETH, though, it was introduced as a fund of funds as it invests in the purpose Bitcoin ETF available for trading in Toronto, Canada. It is safe to say that the, Bitcoin, that the blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies has been flourishing in Australia since the beginning of 2022. In February, the Aussie brokerage platform SafeWealth started providing digital assets trading services to domestic clients. It also integrated educational tools for investors who are just entering the world of crypto. Nearly a month later, the leading trading venue FTX established an Australian branch called FTX Australia. The latter now offers OTC, crypto products and services as well as derivatives. At the same time, the largest bank in the country, Commonwealth Bank of Australia, revealed its intentions to provide additional digital asset opportunities to customers. The institution also disclosed it seeks to double the size of its blockchain team in the following months. Well, I gotta applaud the Aussies. They're moving forward, and the U.S. is falling behind. Yep. Come on, U.S., jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, U.S., where's your CBDC already? Come on, get that. <laughs> get it done. Get her done. We can do this. Mexico do Aussies it. need do it, it, man. Congrats, congrats to the Aussies for moving forward. Yep. Well, continuing on here with another Dimitar Zanzaroff article, Siban, S-I-B-A-N, urges Nigerian authorities to stop demonizing crypto industry participants. I agree. That crypto is not evil, just because a lot of bad things appear to come from Nigeria. <laughs> the Nigerian entity Stakeholders in Blockchain Technology Association of Nigeria, or SIBAN, S-I-B-A-N, reminded that cryptocurrencies and all related activities are still legal within African countries' borders, or Nigeria, that is. As such, public and public and law enforcement agencies should stop their demonization and discrimination towards the sector. Dealing with cryptocurrencies is not legal everywhere around the world. The Chinese government, for example, prohibited all digital asset <clears throat> operations on local soil last year, for like the third time, <laughs> claiming these measures are meant to protect investors from the highly volatile nature of crypto. In a recent statement, Siban or the CBON, a Nigerian association that uh, we've already talked about, affirmed that 
Dealing with digital assets is entirely legal inside the nation's borders. Having said that, the organization urged banks, public law enforcement agencies, and other institutions to, quote, under Nigerian law today, is neither a civil nor a criminal, criminal offense. I'm not going to read this. They already said this. Stop repeating yourself, guys. In addition, Sibon claims that the rate of legitimate cryptocurrency transactions around the globe is over 99%. 99 problems and this ain't one. Oh. Instead, a stigmatization that the Nigerian digital asset sector needs a comprehensive regulatory framework, the organization added. It also pointed out other African two pardon me, other African nations such as Maritus and South Africa, where local watchdogs seek to apply rules to the industry. Quote, Nigeria needs advocacy programs, specific education, and constant mass engagement and collaboration to equip the public and the regulators with an understanding of blockchain. Even though, though they encompass less than 1% of the total cryptocurrency transactions, consumers should bear in mind that illicit activities involving Bitcoin and altcoins are not absolutely absent. It's <laughs> a funny thing to say. The entity vowed to keep educating the broad society about the merits and the risks in the fields. Another quote. At CBON, we will continue to promote anti-money laundering and combat the financing of terrorism through AML-CFT compliance and other best practices among our registered members. We are always ready to collaborate and collaborate with relevant agencies in this regard, end quote. According to a KuCoin study, 35% of Nigerian adults, around, or around 33 million people, have already invested some of their wealth into digital assets. Moreover, 52% of those have allocated at least half of their funds into the asset class. KuCoin claimed that the main reason for the growing adoption is the lack of basic financial services in the region. Despite being one of the monetary and technological hubs of West Africa, residents in vast rural areas are, areas are left without any fiat-based opportunities. Another top reason for locals to diversify traditional assets into crypto is to battle the surging inflation in Nigeria, currently standing at more than 15%. If the U.S. thinks 8.5 is bad, try 15%. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, All right. good, good to see that Simon is is trying to get people to recognize that cryptocurrency is valid. And I'm glad mm. that Nigeria is picking up on it. Continue on. Uh, Bitcoin Google searches down to lowest levels since 2020. Oh, no. Um, bum, bum. Written by Jordan Lanchet. It aligned with the lack of massive price movements from Bitcoin. The number of Google searches for the asset have declined to the lowest level since late 2020. Separately, the popular Bitcoin fear or greed index has settled in a fear territory despite BTC's two-day recovery after the sub-$40,000 dip. Crypto Potato reported yesterday that the recent spike in well activity towards the primary cryptocurrency. Uh, however, it seems that the demand for retail investors has declined in the past several months, at least according to data from Google Trends. The number of queries in the world's largest, largest search engine typically shows the behavior of smaller investors, which tend to arrive at the scene, scene amid the most substantial bull runs. This was the case back in late 2017 when BTC spiked to its then all-time high at roughly $20,000. As the asset went into a, a year-long bear market, the searches disappeared. Something similar transpired during last year's Price increase when BTC went on a tear in April and late in November, ultimately peaking at $69,000. However, the cryptocurrency started retracing once again, leading to a nearly negative 50% decline in about half a year. Somewhat expectedly, Google Trends data now shows that Bitcoin that the Bitcoin search have plummeted and have declined to the lows last seen in December 2020. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index estimates the general sentiment within cryptocurrency community by examining various factors such as price volatility, surveys, BTC dominance, trading volumes, social media interactions, etc. Its final results are displayed on a 0 to 100 basis, where 0 represents extreme fear and 100 is extreme greed. Back in late March, when BTC was marching on towards $50,000 mark, the metric went into extreme greed for the first time since November. However, 
as BTC started to cool off and even dumped below $40,000 in April, the index went into extreme fear yesterday. Today, it shows just fear as Bitcoin managed to recover the Monday retracement and even touched the January 2021 all-time high of $42,000. Well, yeah. nevertheless, Bitcoin is still struggling. So It is. Uh, it's kind of getting boring, to be honest, just to see it. Like, not, come on, I just want to poke at it. Just come on, do something. <laughs> do, do, something, something right? do something fun. Don't just go to 50. Go back to 70 where you belong, at least. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. WikiLeaks. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, this is going to be a nice one. Please. Yes, demons are zombies are off right. So WikiLeaks' Julian Assange is one step closer to U.S. extradition. This is a bum, bum, bum. <clears throat> The founder of the whistleblowing platform WikiLeaks' Julian Assange could be soon extradited to the United States since the British and American governments are diligently working on this. Still, the Australian activist will be able to appeal the decision. He needs to stay out of the U.S. <laughs> why, why is Edward Snowden hasn't come back yet? There's a reason. Anyways, the, the creator of the media organization WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, came to international attention in 2010. That was like 12 years ago. Back then, his platform published a series of leaks that exposed several war crimes conducted by the U.S. Army in Iraq and Afghanistan. Specifically, the videos showed how soldiers kill civilians, including a Reuters photographer and his driver. Shortly after those leaks, Assange became the top target of the U.S. authorities. Like, hey, dude, we were trying to keep that a secret. In addition, Sweden issued an international arrest warrant for him over allegations of sexual misconduct. WikiLeaks founder said these accusations were a pretext for his extradition from the Scandinavian country to the United States. After losing his legal battle against Swedish authorities, Assange took shelter in the embassy of Ecuador in London, where he, he was granted asylum. Three years ago, he was dragged out of the embassy and sent to the high-security Belmarsh prison in, British, in the British capital. Ever since then, the U.S. has been trying to pull Assange to the States and send him to American federal prison for his whistleblowing endeavors against the Army. He is wanted on 18 criminal charges, faces up to 175 years behind bars. According to a recent coverage by CNN, the British High Court issued a formal extradition order of Assange as the only step before sending him to the U.S. remains uh, Pretty Patel's UK, that is the UK Home Secretary's rubber stamp. However, law procedures will allow WikiLeaks creator to appeal the decision. In January of 2021, Assange was close to being extradited to the United States, but the British High Court overturned that decision. The law official said that this could only happen if he becomes a, quote, a subject of, quote, special administrative measures, end quote. Additionally, the high court insisted that he won't face a maximum prison sentence. A lot of people created several organizations fighting for Assange's freedom over the years, including a DAO going by the name Assange DAO. Earlier this year, the entity raised over 17,000 ETH from 10,000 users. The asset uh, were worth about $54 million at the time. Quote, Assange DAO intends to raise... Uh, capital to bid on Assange's NFT by galvanizing an Assange solidarity network. We hope to send a powerful signal that the time of passivity passivity is over. A new era of cyber cypherpunk rather organization has dawned. In quote, the organization stated, "It is worth observing whether new entities aiming to raise crypto assets will pop out in the days to come, following reports of his possible extradition." to the U.S. of A. Oh, wow. Well, jeez. I hope everything goes well for the man. Um, yeah, he's, he's kind of... When you're fighting I, against the U.S. government, Yeah, I kind of tough. feel like he's, he's stuck in that boat that uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein was. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, not that the, the, the crimes that he's committed are equivalent. Maybe they are to the U.S. government. But you get in that kind of state where Everyone hates you, especially the people who have the ability to make you disappear. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of what was his, uh, scary, uh, what was it Kosogi? Kosogi, remember the guy that that the crown prince of uh, of uh, of UAE killed? Remember he invited him somewhere, and then they killed him and chopped up his body. I don't recall that. Okay, well, that's what happened to Khashoggi. He was a very, very vocal American, um, but with, I think, Saudi um, uh, 
roots. I think I think he was. I'm not sure if he was Egyptian or Saudi originally, but he was living in the United States and he was writing terrible things because they were true <laughs> about uh, the crown prince, and the crown prince was not happy about it, so he had him killed. And yeah, well, it was a big thing. What I'm basically saying is, if you mess with really powerful people, eventually you're going to die. Um, and the U.S. tries to pride itself on being, you know, civil, even if we're a bunch well, of assholes. <laughs> if he's going, if he's going to a uh, federal prison for 175 years, you might as well call him a dead man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that that yeah. he's trying to live some kind of life in 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 London. You know, yeah. and and not the no kind of life in prison for the rest of his days. I mean, we will treat him relatively well in prison because U.S. prisons aren't aren't horrific like other prisons are in the world. But um, yeah, he's pretty much a dead man unless he can change his entire character. <laughs> How do you still do the things you're doing without being the figurehead of a of a industry that you ever seen hates? that movie? You ever seen that movie Face Off? Yes, I have. That's all he needs. Mm-hmm. He needs someone to make it look like he disappeared, <laughs> right? Change your face. All right, next news. Next news written Snoop by Dogg. Jay's... Oh, is it Snoop Dogg one, right? Uh, I was going to do the Coinbase. Oh, uh, well, just quick quick little pointer. This is a title here. Coinbase launches beta, uh, beta NFT marketplace. If you guys don't know, they have it available. You guys can sign up and be part of the beta uh, beta program for the NFT marketplace. I guess the reason that I've, right, next. I've been skipping over articles like that is when when companies announce new features, it's like it's not news. It's just you know a new new company feature. So great. Yeah. This was written by Andrew Thorovalas. Uh, Snoop Dogg brings digital weed farms to the metaverse. Yeah, for twenty baby. Famous rapper Snoop Dogg and his son Cordell. Uh, what? How do you say it? Bordas? Broadus, 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 aka Champ Medici, Medici, have partnered with Mobland to launch digital weed farms NFTs in the metaverse. Their virtual items will pioneer an all-new grow-to-earn feature, among various other utilities for business building buildings and land. According to Mobland co-founder Roy Liu, the weed farms are part of the third generation of NFTs. Quote. NFT 1.0 is about individual characters and items. NFT 2.0 is about land and real real estate. NFT 3.0 is about business and utility on top of the land and real estate, he said. Non-fungible tokens are unique digital assets that have ownership certified on a blockchain. And assets are gaining popularity. Excuse me. Gaining popularity as bridges linking various virtual worlds, games, and metaverses. Meanwhile, Mobland is a mafia-themed metaverse backed by names like du, du Quan, co-founder of Terraform Labs, Justin Khan, co-founder of Twitch, and a- Animoca Brands. It is frequently regarded as a crypto version of Mafia Wars, a game where players act as gangsters and their own mafia-style organization. The metaverse is set to launch its business buildings within the next two two months. Excuse me, Champ Medici. Uh, said that his father was the first to introduce him to video games and weed <laughs> and that bringing them together felt like a no-brainer for him. Some of his exclusive content will also be made available from this partnership. This The NFT artist named is inspired by uh, Cosimo de Medici, a popular NFT collector that was later revealed as Snoop Dogg himself. The rapper got the idea of partnering with Mobland from his son. Quote, there is a paradigm shift happening here, and I want to be at the forefront of this, said Snoop. Doesn't sound like a quote he would actually say, but okay. Snoop Dogg is a well-established voice in the crypto and NFT world already. Besides his numerous NFT purchases, he formed various partnerships with crypto companies and launched collections of his own. Following the recent launch, which was linked to Board Ape Yacht Club, NFTs, Ape Coin Sword. The rapper is now launching a collection on Cardano featuring unreleased music in partnership with Clay Nation. It will include limited edition Clay Nation plots. He also he's also become a financial broker behind crypto payment startup MoonPay, along Justin Bieber and other artists. Yeah, we actually had that wow. in the news last week. MoonPay has been showing a lot of the popular people out there, you know, getting everybody on all the all the celebrities on their side. Ah. Oh. Big coming up, man. I actually think this is kind I of remember, I'm not really into weed. I don't smoke and I don't use CBD. But I think this is brilliant. I think 
But what Snoop Dogg is doing is not only is a popular guy, but he's doing video games in Wii, and that's such it's such a thing. I mean, it's more of a bro thing, but it's still a thing. So, bro, come smoke with me yeah, in the metaverse. Man, let's play some let's play some hey. hardcore games. And get stoned, man. This would be amazing. You know, that's I can definitely seeing that being a Snoop Dogg thing. I get, it's you got to be like tripping out. Like I, I want to see how how the game. Uh, oh, I guess how your avatar reacts all stoned out in the metaverse. There's got to be, there's got to be some reaction to that. I mean, like, yeah, the, one thing your I've, visuals get all twisted. One thing I definitely agree with is within, I know you've done this within Twitter spaces, but there's something about congregating with it. You know, even Braveland's a good example of it too. Uh, there's something about congregating with an avatar in a space, as long as you can do things that look like real life, right? Um, playing video games, congregating with your avatar, smoking weed, which you obviously can't do in, in the metaverse, but... Um, Doing those kinds of things and hanging out together is kind of a fun thing to do, in my in my opinion. And yeah. just socializing in general, you know, even though it's digital, it's still pretty slick. So I'm 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 hyped, even though I don't smoke and don't probably don't even play those games. I just, I just I'm really into the idea of what they're doing. So way to go, Snoop. So continuing on with the news here, Dimitar Zanzaroff writes: Shiba Inu accepted as means of payment by Swiss consulting firm. Uh, I'm not gonna read this. I'm just just reading the, the title. <laughs> Some Swiss company, Finanam, is now accepting Shiba Inu as a means of payment. Good, cool. I don't know why you're doing that, but meme coins for the win? <laughs> Continuing on. Blockchain-based games raised $2.5 billion in Q1 alone in three months. That's it, according to Dapp Radar. This is all by the same person, Dimitar Zanzarov. A recent DAP radar study estimated that blockchain-based games raised $2.5 billion in Q1 of 2022. That's January through March of this year uh, from investors. If this pace maintains, which it won't, the total investment by the end of the year will be 150% higher than that of 2021. Additionally, in March, blockchain games attracted 1.22 million unique active wallets, UAWs, and accounted for 52% of the industry's activity. According to DappRider's report, the uh, shared with Crypto Potato, of course, high-profile investors poured hundreds of millions of dollars into blockchain games and non-fungible token products during the first quarter of 2022. For one, Yuga Labs, the studio behind the NFT collection board API Club, secured a $450 million fund rise raised, pardon me, by Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, the $200 million investment led by Temasek in Immutable X, or IMX, is also worth mentioning. The latter hosts two of the most popular blockchain games, Gods Unchained and Guilds of Guardians. Following the initiative, the entity's valuation topped $2.5 billion. The to in total, blockchain games have raised $2.5 billion since the start of the year. The bold forecast predicts that investments for the entire year of 2022 Two could reach $10 billion, assuming the pace stays the same. Last year, total invested funds were only $4 billion, so we're almost to the total we've already reached in just three months. The number of unique active wallets are, uh, keeps a steady level. On average, 1.17 million active wallets connected daily to the blockchain games during Q1, decreasing 2% from last year's Q, uh, Q4 daily average. Nonetheless, the March figures surpassed 1.2 million daily. Top games are still attractive to their player base as Splinterland, Alien Worlds, and Crazy Defense Heroes saw an average of 650,000 UAW in March. A 52% of the whole blockchain activity during Q1 came... Stop repeating facts, dudes. It's not extra news. On the, hand, on the other hand, interest in the metaverse seemed to have cooled down after the hype driven by Meta's rebranding several months ago. The trading volume in virtual worlds has plunged 12% from Q4 2021, reaching $430 million in Q1 of this year. The average price stand of lands and sandbox and decentralized decreased by about 40%, while both remain platforms saw a decline in their trading volume by 60% and 20% respectively. That's probably because there's just so much hype on it, and it's just not, not quite there what, what it once was. The hype has finally leveled out. It is worth mentioning that the biggest hack in crypto's history happened during the first quarter of this year. That being the Ronin Network security system that stole 173,000 ETH worth at the time 25, or, or pardon me, and also an additional 25.5 million USDC at the time of the hack, all totaled equaled roughly over $600 million. To support the investigation of the incident, the world's largest crypto platform, Binance, blocked the addresses from a potential wrongdoer 
and temporarily suspended all transactions on the Ronin network. For its part, Sky Mavis, the blockchain gaming project behind Ronin and Axie Infinity, vowed to compensate victims who lost funds due to the attack. I mean, they do have, I think they said $2 billion in assets, so they could technically compensate the people who lost the $600 million worth. But, yeah, so... That's a good thing, man. uh, Crypto insurance is amazing, man. That's like the best thing you can have nowadays. So you never know who's going to hack your stuff. And I was going to say, if you're looking for something to invest in, invest in crypto insurance companies. (laughs) It's a new budding industry, so... Hey, Jake, tone it down a bit, bro. It's 420, man. Smoke <laughs> some. Yeah. So, uh, Elon Musk. We got next? We got to talk about Elon oh, Musk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Elon Musk is buying Twitter to set, up, to set off freedom of speech. Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, this one's written by Jordan Lanchev. Whether he bids, whether he, whether his bid succeeds or not, Elon Musk official offers to purchase twitter attracted what read that again whether his bid succeeds or not elon musk official offer to purchase twitter attracted the the attention of the entire world while some condemned his strategy as a potential hostile takeover others such as the as robert kiyosaki believes tesla ceo could bring back free speech to the social media channel Elon Musk, the world's wealthiest individual, purchased a 9.2% stake in Twitter in March, which at first was considered a passive stake. Shortly after the news broke out, though, he became significantly more uh, more active with the first such signs, pointing out that he was en route to becoming a board member. While those have not materialized yet, the billionaire submitted a bid with the Securities and Exchange Commission for something a lot more significant to acquire the social media giant in full and turn it into a private company. The reactions were immediate, and quite a few came from the cryptocurrency industry. This was perhaps expected as the extent since Musk uh, promised to go for free speech if he completed the Twitter acquisition, while the digital asset space strives for freedom as well. Justin Sun, for instance, tried to outbid Musk Vitalik Buterin suggested that such an acquisition could set negative uh, precedents, while Charles Hoskinson offers to build a decentralized iteration of Twitter. Sure, buddy. Mm -hmm. Robert Kiyosaki, a popular Bitcoin proponent and author of the bestseller Rich Dad Poor Dad, a book that I own, Mm -hmm. hashtag buy my book, also (laughs) joined in the discussion Kiyosaki, who has previously urged his millions of followers to buy BTC to protect against inflation. Firstly noted that Musk's action have turned out turned on the lights and now the rats and rodents running Twitter are running for cover. Later he he went further, calling Musk a capitalist who can set out freedom of speech from the rats, rodents, and reptiles hiding in Twitter's woke corporate culture. And here's a tweet from Kiyo, uh, the real Kiyosaki. Elon Musk is a capitalist. He is buying Twitter to set our freedom of speech free from the rats, rodents, and reptiles hiding in Twitter woke corporate culture. I love capitalism. I love freedom. I love Elon. Although there's no clear conclusion to the aforementioned saga is in sight yet, it is safe to say that it has a highly positive impact on Twitter's stock prices once it became known that Musk had purchased a 9.2% stake in the company. Uh, ticker TWTR shot up more than 20% in hours and tapped in a, multi, a multi-month high. This came amid a tech, a tech market-wide t- downturn. Since then, Twitter's shares have cooled down and closed yesterday, trading at a uh, trading session at $46. Nevertheless, this is still 20% higher than their pricing point before Musk intervened. There you go, man. Musk, everywhere he goes, whatever he touches, he has that, that golden thumb. That kind dude of, is just kind of magic. It's like, if you, and I've, I know I've done this before uh, with the sh- with the shit coins. If you go into a really tiny market where there's hardly any activity going on, and you buy a gargantuan block, and I was like, oh, it's going up quick! I gotta buy. And I've seen it happen. You know, I've actually yeah. done it on yeah, a small scale. Here. So, <clears throat> so you're saying that Musk himself is the one that pumped it up twenty percent? Yeah, he bought. Three bill, three point one billion dollars worth of Twitter stock, and then it increased the value that he set into it by a billion dollars. He made a billion dollars by buying three billion dollars or something. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, to a man who's worth nearly $300 billion, that's probably not a whole lot. It's probably 1% of his, of his total value, so. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. it is pretty crazy. I agree. Anyways, continuing on with Ripple here. Ripple CEO, Bitcoin tribalism holds the entire crypto market back. Dimitar Zanzarov writes, Brad Garlinghouse, the CEO of Ripple, believes the, that maximalism toward Bitcoin and other digital assets is not healthy for the cryptocurrency industry. Nonetheless, he owns, he admitted owning Bitcoin and Ethereum. Being an industry starter and the largest digital asset by market capitalization has earned Bitcoin countless individual fans throughout the years. While well-known corporations and even a country, El Salvador, embraced the asset as an official payment method. However, putting Bitcoin on a pedestal and creating a tribalism around it could hold back the entire nearly $2 trillion crypto market. That's at least what the CEO, Brad Garlinghouse, argued in a recent interview. Quote, polarization isn't healthy in my judgment, he maintained. Examples of people who believe only in Bitcoin's merits and reject any other crypto asset are the head of MicroStrategy, Michael Saylor, the blockchain's Jack Dorsey, sometimes the former stance on Bitcoin reaches the state of religion. Quote, money is something to live with. Bitcoin is something to live for, end quote, he stated last month. Garlinghouse thinks such maximalism is excessive and investors should diversify and put their trust in more assets as, quote, all boats can rise, end quote. I agree with that. On the other hand, he admitted being a Bitcoin and Ethereum holder. Quote, I own Bitcoin, I own Ether. I own some others. I am absolutely a believer in the industry is going to continue to thrive. Ripple CEO, who previously, uh, as an executive at Yahoo, compared the nowadays digital asset sector to the dot-com era of the late 90s and early 2000s. Despite urging investors to explore more digital assets, Ripple's boss does not support all of them. I don't know how you could do that. One token he, that he believes in, it believes it's harmful to the crypto industry, is Doge. Woohoo! I agree. Down with Doge. I'm just kidding. I like Doge. It's it's just for the it's for the memes, but not for the investments. Several months ago, uh, touching upon the financial turbulence, he claimed that the meme coin's inflationary nature does not classify it as a hedge against inflation. Quote, I am actually not convinced, somewhat controversial, I guess that Dogecoin is good for the crypto market. Dogecoin has some inflationary dynamics itself that would make me reluctant to hold it, end quote. Unlike other digital assets, such as Bitcoin, Doge does not have a maximum supply cap. Why did they use Bitcoin is the example. Ethereum doesn't have a cap either. <laughs> In fact, around 14 million Doge are mined every day. And this has been a catalyst for many experts to estimate that the token's essence is similar to fiat currencies that are printed at colossal amounts by central banks. So, yeah, it's inflationary, but... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I agree with him somewhat. He's just a really rich, rich guy, and I'm not yet. I'm not a really rich guy yet. Yet. <laughs> so KuCoin. What about uh, KuCoin? Or do you have something KuCoin. more to say about yeah, Ripple? That no, that's fine. KuCoin. My J Zhuang. 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 Is that how you say his name? I Zhuang. Zhuang. KuCoin Zhuang. offers $100 million to support early stage NFT projects. KuCoin Ventures, the exchange's VC arm dedicated to crypto investments and its NFT marketplace, Windvane, are putting out $100 million as a creator's fund to support the incubate, uh, incubate? incubate uh, early stage NFT projects, according to a media release by, uh, issued by KuCoin. The announcement came after Coinbase's early statement of launching its NFT marketplace soon and the Japanese social media giant Line releasing such a project uh, product called Line NFT. As the industry attracts investments from financial institutions, major crypto exchanges have all doubled down on the marketplaces to acquire a more significant shares of the quickly growing NFT marketplace. The $100 million fund will be allocated to incubate fledging NFT projects from various fields, including art, sports, GameFi, celebrities, and many more. This project will invite 99 NFT creators to join the Windvane NFT marketplace to accelerate the growth of Web 3.0, the release stated. Given the support from the fund, young artists and creators will be able to showcase their talents in a democratic, decentralized NFT marketplace. 
when Vein will support mainstream NFT blockchains such as ETH, BSC, and Flow, allowing users to select and purchase all digital collectibles on Qcoin cross-chain aggregators by leveraging the user's traffic of Qcoin. The marketplace will help promote projects INO initial NFT offerings. That's interesting. INO initial NFT offerings. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's an acronym acronym. Yeah, uh, that, that, that that blows my mind. I was like, what? Shouldn't it be Generally, INFTO? Yeah, yeah <laughs> right, right, right. I-N- okay, whatever. Uh, John Liu, <laughs> the CEO of Exchange, considered this investment a critical expansion into the metaverse, depending on Qcoin ecosystems and consolidating its Web3 infrastructure. Quote, when Vane would like to bridge Web 2.0 and Web 3.0 by supporting more creators to launch the NFTs or projects and creating a more integrated, integrated, integrate, yeah, integrated NFT world with a lower barrier to entry for users. Qcoin already launched a $100 million fund focused on supporting teams working on metaverse projects in November 2021. The fund also aims to promote the mass usage of blockchain technology with the primary focus on emerging markets like South America and Africa. Yep. Go uh, KuCoin. Get yeah. more people interested make more money. Do you, use, do you use KuCoin? Have yeah. you ever used KuCoin? Yeah, I've KuCoin? used it. Yeah, I, there's a couple of yeah. coins that I have that I couldn't trade anywhere else, so I had to sign up with KuCoin. So, continuing on with a Binance US receives money transmitter license in puerto rico what what does that mean let's find out martin young writes mm. binance us the highly regulated division of the firm devoted to north american clients has been awarded a money transfer light transmitter license in puerto rico it marks the fourth such license approval of the company as in the last in as many months according to april 19th uh, announcement which would be yesterday and it added that it is working to acquire a few remaining licenses which will permit operations in US in all US states and territories. Officially known as the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, the Caribbean Island or Caribbean Island is an unincorporated territory of the United States as it has been since 1898. Wow, I thought it was more recent than that. Weird. There's a tweet about that. Finance uh, Finance US CEO Brian Schroeder said the firm's goal was to offer its fully regulated services in all America's 50 states and territories before adding, quote, Puerto Rico, in particular, is an important market for the growth of crypto, and we look forward to continuing to offer its residents secure, reliable, and low-fee access to a robust selection of tokens, end quote. The granting of the money transfer license in, uh, from Puerto Rico Office of Commissioner of Financial Institutions that's not a long name at all. Follows a $200 million uh, funding round that is valued at uh, value the firm at $4.5 billion. It plans to use the capital to improve its spot trading platform, develop a suite of new products and services, and invest in marketing and customer education materials. Binance US has received a license in three other jurisdictions this year, West Virginia, Connecticut, and Wyoming. Why could you just get it everywhere? It currently operates in 45 states and seven territories. The firm is also rumored to be mulling its in its initial public offering RPO this next this year or next. A successful stock market listing would make Binance US the second crypto exchange to go public in the US after Coinbase. However, crypto uh, services provided blockchain.com is also preparing an IPO that could be as soon as this year. Ooh, yeah, so soon. We're only four months in. <laughs> Binance International has made aggressive moves to expand in the Middle East and North Africa. Um, is that M-E-N-A? Weird. No, they had an acronym for that. Markets as restrictions and regulations mount in the West and many Asian countries. Earlier this month, the company was granted an in-principle approval from Abu Dhabi's global market, uh, CEO Chengpeng Zhao, or CZ as he's otherwise known, has also eyed Dubai for its global headquarters and his base. The firm also has a similar license to operate in Bahrain as it eyes the region to tap new markets and establish a base from which it can operate without pressure from overreaching central banks and financial regulators like the U.S., Mm-hmm. Move to a place where they don't care, or where they don't care enough. 
Yeah. Finally, something about Russia. Uh, got a couple more to go. A couple more. I only have one. Okay, well, whatever. Uh, Russia. Just this one? That's it? Oh. Yeah. Well, you have the, another one? I, didn't, I mean, there's a uh, lot of stuff on 420. I mean, it's for, for, for being a really chill day, I'm surprised we have so much news. Yeah. What about Japan Central Bank will test digital yen cautiously? Uh, you look at that. I'm going to read the Russian one. All right. Uh, this one's written by Felix Molin. Russia could mine Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to evade sanctions, IMF warns. Russia could use cryptocurrency mining to evade sanctions, according to the IMF. The IMF warned in its new report that sanctions countries like Russia could use cryptocurrencies and significantly boost their mining interest to evade economic sanctions imposed on them. The International Monetary Fund indicated that its report on global financial stability that Russia could be planning to use cryptocurrency mining to circumvent economic sanctions imposed by the United States and the European Union in wake of its war against Ukraine. Today, the, today's key takeaway from IMF meetings, the IMF downgraded its global growth outlook reflecting the impact of the war in Ukraine, the risk posed by inflation, and more. Read more. To, blah, blah, blah. Okay. According to the IMF, Russia could could rely on many tools to move money outside of the traditional finance financial system. One prominent example could be use uh, could be the use of non-compliant cryptocurrency exchanges along with an anonymity and I can never say that word anonymity anonymity and not anonymity <laughs> enhancing platforms such as Dex or Mixers. In addition, the IMF, uh, IMF stressed the use of privacy cryptocurrencies such as Monero, which could help avoid tracking, uh, tr tracking transactions, making it easier for Russian governments to alleviate the effects of the financial bloc. Russia is the most sanctioned country in the world, even more than North Korea, with, four, with over 400 different, different measures taken against it. In this scenario, the IMF argues that the government could turn to cryptocurrency mining to monetize energy resources that cannot be exported. Cryptocurrencies, uh, cryptocurrency mining has long been a focal point for the IMF and the other law enforcement agencies because such activities can pro prove profitable in times when other economic activities face bans or restrictions. Other sanctioned countries known to have Bitcoin mining facilities and an active crypto community including Iran, Venezuela, North Korea, and Russia. Quote, Over time, sanctioned countries could also allocate more resources towards evading sanctions through mining. Mining for energy-intensive blockchains like Bitcoin can allow countries to monetize energy resources, some of which cannot be exported due to sanctions. For now, the IMF notes that this type of activity is relatively contained in, in sanctioned countries. However, the possibilities of its increasing exponentially will always be there, and it's something really uncontrollable. Quote, At this point, the, sh the share of mining in, mining in countries under sanctions and the overall size of mining revenues suggests that the magnitude of such flow is relatively contained, although risk and the fin financial integrity remains. The IMF reports that the, both the U.S. and U.K. regulators are asking all companies, including crypto businesses, to be more vigilant and cautious in their transactions, thus preventing any loopholes from the Russian government. Contrary to what the IMF exposes, exposes about Russians, Russia's possible use of cryptocurrency mining to evade sanctions, the Russia Central Bank had already informed at the beginning of 2022 that it wanted to propose a law against cryptocurrency mining because it compro com compromises the environment. However, President Putin has hinted at a possible change of mind. He recently said Russia could have a major advantage for cryptocurrency miners and the country seems to be to be adopting a more crypto-friendly posture, po possibly accepting Bitcoin as a payment for its oil and gas exports. Hey. Whoa! That was a big twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. I mean, Russia does have a lot of oil and gas. Probably more than any country, including Saudi Arabia and Iran. And so I can kind of see why so many people have become reliant on them. But as a lot of progressive companies, like, or companies, sorry, countries like Germany, have been moving towards, is they're recognizing, like, yes, Russia's got all this stuff. Yes, we do not want to be dependent on them, even before they started a war with Ukraine. But uh, you know, it's they were setting these long-term goals, like, oh yeah, we'll we'll be completely uh, renewable, you know, reliant, no more natural gas, no more uh, uh, oil by mm, 2050. And it's like, 
Well, you know what Putin did? He said, it's today. <laughs> it's 2022. You're moving to all renewables now. <laughs> so, uh, uh, stop putting your future so far in the future. Mm-hmm. All right. You want to wrap it up? Yeah, I'll do the Japanese article here. Let me pull it up. Um, all right. Scroll, 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 scroll. There it is. All right, from Jay Swong. Japan's central bank will test digital yen cautiously. Over the past years, developed and developing countries have shown a growing interest in central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs. The Bank of Japan has recently announced a cautious approach to the digital yen, stating that its developmental trajectory will follow similar steps as Sweden did. The final decision on whether to issue, CD, C, issue a CDCC, CBDC pardon me, is likely to be made in 2026, BOJ revealed. That's Bank of Japan. Bank of Japan considers the framework of its CBDC closely tied to overall settlement system. Thus, during its experimental phases, the central bank believes one of the critical issues is to ensure its compatibility with its financial infrastructure and other potential CBDCs. Uh, oh boy, that guy's name. Uh, Kazajui Kamiyama, the head of... Good. Pardon? That's pretty good. I, I guess. <laughs> sort of no Japanese words. In uh, The head of the Bank of Japan payment system department said in an interview with Sweden's stage and planned expansion of experiments is more suitable than China's approach, as reported by Bloomberg. China, earlier this year, began a large-scale pilot test of its digital currency at the Beijing Winter Olympics, aiming to push the broader adoption of the digital yuan. Sweden's Riksbank, meanwhile, has focused on a smaller-scale technical research aimed to examine if its CBDC could fit into a settlement system with other digital payment providers. As such, neither Riksbank nor the Bank of Japan has finalized a decision on whether to issue digital currencies. Kamiyama added that emerging ec economies, compared to developed nations, are much more prone to launch electronic money due to the relative weakness in their payment network. As the second phase of small studies on digital yen is ready to be launched this month, Kamiyama revealed that the next stage would be a small-scale pilot test. In a recent speech solely dedicated to cryptocurrencies, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen noted that a CBDC, this is a U.S. Treasury side note, uh, other stablecoins could achieve further adoption as a means of payment than Bitcoin. She implied that the Fed-issued digital currency could outcompete Bitcoin as a means of exchange due to the Bitcoin's price instability. Yeah, she's not wrong about that. Meanwhile, the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, DTCC, the main U.S. securities processor, announced the launch of the Project Lithium for examining how real-time transactions via cash-like tokens can pass through in the clearing and settlement process. This is a strong indicator that the U.S. is actively researching the pros and cons of CBC, paving the foundation for relevant experiments and studies in the near future. So, all right. I think that um, I think the one thing that, even though the U.S. has been, and I know this, this article is about Japan, but it, it's relative to all countries. Their, their point about developing countries not having a good infrastructure for fiat is a good point to make. Because several African countries have just skipped the fiat phase and gone straight to the digital phase. Mm. The problem with the U.S. is that a third, and it still blows my mind that this is true, a third of all U.S. citizens, and I guess we're having to include children in this, but I think the point of it was a third of U.S. adults, don't have internet. I don't know why that blows my mind so much. It just seems baffling. Like, why? Why? Why would you not have it? Are we talking about people who are over 70? Is that the third we're talking about? Because that might make sense. But uh, a third of the U.S. not having Internet, does that mean they don't have a phone? Does that mean they don't have an Internet on their phone? Is that what they mean? Is that? It just... 
I just couldn't believe my ears when I heard that statistic first, and I thought maybe it was inaccurate. It's not inaccurate. Now, obviously, I didn't go around and interview all those people, but because uh, I couldn't have, because I don't have internet. But uh, it, it, it's it's not inaccurate to say that a good chunk of the U.S. population does not have access to internet in their in. You know, I mean, they can go to McDonald's and get it, fine, but they don't have it in their homes. They don't have it on their phones. Who doesn't? I just, I, I can't wrap my mind around it. And maybe it's because I'm so deep into the internet age and that's why, but. Well, you, you should see how I felt when I was in Mexico and I ran out of high speed data and I could only text. I was like, oh no, I can't jump on YouTube. <laughs> oh no, I can't. Yeah, you didn't on switch this. over to Google Five while you were gone, didn't you? No, I didn't. Yeah, no. you should have because Google Five doesn't have yeah. a limit in any country except for lesser countries that don't have maybe i should just permanently switch over then yeah if you're going to go to mexico again or if you're planning on leaving the country i would highly recommend and this is not me trying to shill for google fi i'm just know that google fi offers limitless data for one flat fee no matter where you go with some small countries being exceptions like i don't think you go to russia and get unlimited data but who's going to russia right now right who's going to russia right now exactly um yeah but yeah, so it's. Uh, I know Mexico and Canada are counted in their their unlimited data, and I know that most European, Western European countries as well as data. Pardon? Yeah, high speed. Because that's because that's what that's where they got me. That's where they said, yeah, you have unlimited data. But uh, with the clause, right. how much was, did you use? You're limited. How much well, did you use? Well, I, I was so they only gave me five gigs of high speed data. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Google Google does not have a limit. It's I mean, yeah. it is technically limited in the sense that they'll slow you down once you hit a certain number of gigs. But uh, their their limit, they recently upped it from twenty two to fifty. Wow, nice. So and then they lowered the price. That was the thing that also. But I'm like, wait, it used to be seventy bucks for the unlimited plan. Now it's sixty five. And nice. if you go with the smaller unlimited plan, it's, it went from fifty to forty five. But it only get I think uh, thirty max gigs. Um, but still, it's just like. But see, it's not just the U S. That was the whole point. The reason the reason people thought it was daft when Google went to Google Fi came out with their their like, hey, we're doing uh, you know, mobile ISP, and people are like, yeah, but it's ten dollars per gig. Nobody charges that much, and they're like, yeah, but it's ten dollars per gig. Period. No matter what country you go to, and the other advantage, unlike any other other mobile ISP or mobile phone company, is you don't have to swap send when you go to France or to Sweden or to. Uh, you know, London or something. When you go to another foreign country, you just keep your SIM because ah, it works anywhere. Interesting. Yeah. I'm like, I'll my look into it. Brother-in-law had that problem all the time when he's traveling all over Europe. Every single time he went to a new country, he had to get a different SIM. So. Yeah. All good right, for international travel. So yeah, uh, if anybody has, if you've gotten this far in the in the podcast, we appreciate it. And we appreciate a thumbs up. If you like what we were listening to, and I presume you do by the fact that you've listened this far into this episode, please hit hit the like button on YouTube and whatever methodologies you are listening. If you're on Anchor, uh, we appreciate the feedback. And if you would like to listen to us furthermore, you can catch us on Wednesdays and Sundays. And then um, you can also get us on Discord as well as checking out Patreon to support us or just donate directly in cryptocurrency formats bitcoin ethereum binance uh basic attention token or raven and as well as other links in the description below through our coin tree link thank you for joining us john would you like to do the outro all right cryptonauts wait, wait, hold what that said right. <laughs> get over to my recording side i'm so bad at this all right go ahead all right cryptonauts so with that said until next time Stack sats and auto. Adios. Adios. Adios.